Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. My guest today is someone new to the community, but he's already impressed me enough to invite him on the show. Um, Damien, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, um, thank you for having me here. My name is uh, Damien Williams. I'm a PhD researcher at Virginia Tech in the Department of Science, Technology, and Society. Um, our research covers bias, uh, human perspectives, and how they get embedded in the technological systems, such as algorithmic learning systems, uh, machine learning, AI, and things like human biotechnological in interventions like uh, prostheses or implants or things like that. Whew, got a lot. To yeah, talk it's a about. lot. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot to talk about, which I, I just, I love how you just popped up in my, I don't know if someone suggested I follow you or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm happy you're here and we're going to get into it. So I always start with two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? So in terms of why it's important to cause a scene, it's because it's the only way that people are ever going to know the kinds of things that are going on. I've been talking about the kinds of things that I've been researching for going on over a decade now. And every time I have conversations out in public, people are still surprised <laughs> by the things that I have to talk about. And, you know, people like Safia Noble and Dribble Rumi and a whole bunch of other people have been doing work like this for uh, at at least as long as, if not longer than me. And people are still surprised when they hear like, oh, algorithmic systems can be biased or, oh, you know, people's perspectives get embedded into the technology we make. And, you know, I figure if that's still happening this long on, <laughs> you know, we just need to get even louder and more persistent about the ways that we go about talking about these things because it's, it's obviously still very much a problem. And in terms of how I myself am causing a scene, uh, every time I get the opportunity to go out in public and talk about these topics and meet new groups of people and, and have these conversations with them, I try to bring this up as, as loudly and clearly and persistently as I can. Okay, so first of all, I want to I wanna um, just say, because you won't be able to see his face, this is a black man. And so this just really just... Mm, warms my fucking heart because I am so sick of conversations being had or the authorities or the experts being white people in this space. Um, white people are blind to biases, um, are blind to white supremacy, are blind to racism. And you cannot, I just don't trust. I, okay, so my default, you, okay, you're new to my to hashtag cosmic let me just tell you, my default is all right, white, excuse me, all whiteness is racist by design because it was educated that way. And all uh, and it cannot be trusted by default, which is um, the opposite because it's it, it's set up to be trusted by default. And so for right. me, 
whiteness has to prove through consistent demonstrated behavior that it's not, um, that it's anti-racist. I would never say it's not racist, that it's working to be anti-racist and it can be trusted. And so the fact that there's a black man, I'm staring in your face, who's talking about these things, just, just totally makes my heart sing and, 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 and debunks that there are no black people talking about this. I mean, you've been talking about, like you said, for years, a decade. Um, it's, it's a shame that in 2019, um, people aren't, are just hearing your voice. You know what I'm saying? This is like, come on. We are the people who are, um, impacted the most by these things. And it's, Tech needs to start listening to the most vulnerable because we have solutions. We first of all, we can tell you what the problems are. Exactly. Stop sending <laughs> stop sending canaries down the coal mine. Just, <laughs> right. Just trust that when the first damn canary dies, there's a problem. There's something wrong. There's exactly. at least something wrong. There's <laughs> something that needs to be addressed. And trust that we have solutions, or even, or if not solutions, we've thought deeply about yes. the problems that are affecting us, and yes. we need to be at the table. Um, about these decision-making processes. And this is why I say a lack of inclusion is a risk management issue because this is the very reason I have a platform. This is the very reason I'm going to be honest that you now have a platform is because this shit is coming back on them. It's blowing back on them at, at, at rates that they have, first of all, they've ignored for so long. So yeah. it's just piled up and piled up and piled up. And this is why every week you hear something else about Facebook because it's been yeah. 10 to 15 years of bullshit. And now it's just just like just waves of it just coming, coming. And I tell people, you need to stop looking for the bottom. There is no bottom to this. Right. Until people start listening. <laughs> yep. Until they start listening and taking, again, specific steps when they heed those people whom they see uh, who they hear, who, who they've experienced, telling them over and over again, hey, there's a problem here. Hey, there's something, you know, that our, our community has, has felt, whether that's, you know, black people, women, uh, the LGBTQ community, disabled people, any number of, of marginalized and oppressed identities have had this direct experience of, hey, the way this is built, the way this is system is constructed harms us directly exactly and we would like to tell you how to not do that please exactly <laughs> you know <laughs> and it definitely has to have the please on the end because it's right like, not, you're <laughs> just being aggressive you're just right, being right. you're being right. you have to come with the the the, the pretty please stop harming me right <laughs> exactly and that's and that's every i mean that's and that's the main issue right it's like you know every time we're like, hey, your boots on my neck. Could you maybe move it? <laughs> anything but, less than, but but anything but it's, I'm not pressing hard. I didn't mean right. to put my boot on your neck. Right. Exactly. Um, why are you <laughs> stop talking? It wouldn't hurt so much while I have my boot on your neck. All right. these things, right. except for get your fucking boot off my neck. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, that's what a lot of the work that I do. It looks directly at you know all of these different communities, both individually, but also intersectionally and in trying to figure out, okay, so what are, what are the kinds of things that these oppressed perspectives, these marginalized perspectives have been trying to tell us and trying to make remedies for what are, what are ways that they understand and know the world that we can, you know, 
actually say, hey, you understand this set of things better than we do, whoever we, the, the dominant group in that you know, conversation happens to be, uh, how about you have some institutional power, you have some oversight and some uh, ability to make crucial decisions, and you guide this conversation for a while rather than continuing to give it to the status quo places, rather than continuing to give it to the people who don't have direct experience of racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, disabledism, and any number of other, you know, kinds of direct lived oppression. Talk to the people who do. Ask them, hey, what do you know? What are you experiencing? And how can we make that experience better for you? What would you want done? What do you want to do to make this better? This speaks to, so, so I just had, just responded to a tweet. Now, by the time this airs, that tweet has been gone. But I just responded to a tweet of someone saying um, they're tired of um, the, hold on, I'm actually going to find this tweet because I'm just like, ugh. But the other thing that I did today was mm-hmm. I, um, I am so, I've had a prickly feeling about unconscious bias training. And so mm-hmm. now I'm at a place where, and now I know beyond why I don't like unconscious bias training. It's not just, oh, why are you forcing people to go into trainings that they don't want to, because the people who are actively engaged are the people who already want to be there. Right. Um, and then um, the people who don't want to be there are disruptive. They won't learn it because you can't force anybody to damn learn anything. That's that's true. one thing. So it's a waste that's of resources. Um, and then it becomes a check mark when people, oh, I did that. But yep. I've come to a place where I understand why I fundamentally don't like, um, I'll say most because I'm not going to say all, um, um, unconscious bias training. And this comes from, first of all, I have a, a, having a master's in training and development. You yeah. can't train these behaviors, first of all. These behaviors, these these beliefs or whatever are not trainable. But it also falls into this, feeds into the narrative that this there's an assumption that individuals, um, this is not a, a perspective that they want to have, that they have not. It, um, it's like the assumption, oh, if they knew better, they would do better. It's an assumption that some people yeah. thought very deeply about this shit and they're okay <laughs> Yeah, have um, these biases. Um, they yep. benefit from these biases. They have no intentions of changing what these biases yep. are. Um, it also puts the onus on. It also um, it, it speaks to as we you were just saying, as if we all are having the same lived experience. So right. if I say something that's different, then that gives you the right to question me and why I need to give you data and all this other kind of shit. Right. Um, it and and and, and it. It, but but even under that, what I came to is fundamentally they do not challenge the issues that bias exists today. And yeah. let's be honest, and it's not even just in the Western world. We're oh. seeing it everywhere. White it's supremacy everywhere. is the root of all of this. And if no one is talking about whiteness and white supremacy, you are not dealing with the problem of why bias is there. As I said before, our school systems are based on white supremacy. Our um, healthcare is based on white supremacy. Our um, financial systems are based on white supremacy. If we're not uh, directly addressing that, that is what's causing the biases. 
if we're not addressing that, it's like going to the doctor. You can't breathe. They haven't run an x-ray and they're just going to give you an inhaler and say, oh, yeah, you have asthma. Two, two weeks, two, um, four weeks later, you're in the emergency room. You, they finally give you a damn x-ray. You have double pneumonia. Now you're in, the, in ICU right. fighting right. for your life. Right. It's like until we deal with what the real issues are. And again, I'm not saying this exclusively as a fault of whiteness. Black, all, all people have some level of internalized white supremacy and anti-blackness, period. Because that's the systems we were raised into globally. And you see it in other countries. You see it in, under, um, in other ethnicities. You see it yeah. everywhere. So yeah. that's why I was like, that's why I, I, I unconscious bias training is straight bullshit because we will not deal with the issue. So when we're talking about these algorithms, and these people who create these algorithms and their biases, if we're not under digging into the bias itself and what those are, there's no way in hell you can program out. And so I saw um, an article today with um, Walmart. They have this new training algorithm, virtual reality thing that they're doing to, to, to spot new potential managers. And they actually said... To it, it will eliminate bias. Right. I fuck, saw that too. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck designed the VR system? Right. Who designed the VR system? Who designed the, the checklist that they're looking for? Exactly. Right. Who gets to say that what they, the skills that you're seeing are appropriate for a potential manager? All of these things. People just like stop, like, okay, it's the code. So if I just, so if it's just the human and, and then we'll put it in machines and it'll be perfect. Right. No, no, never that, <laughs> never that all you're doing. And this is something that I, again, this is something that I've pointed to. This is something that, you know, Joy Buolamwini, who worked with the algorithm, uh, algorithmic justice project, um, She's pointed to, Safia Noble's pointed to, uh, Kate Crawford at AI Now Institute has pointed to this, um, uh, Joanna Bryson working out at Bath University over in England has pointed to this. It's like, this is, this is bias that's human bias. And when you put it into systems, you're, you're still putting them into human-made systems. It's like, it's, like, it's, a, it's a thing in tech. We like to try to extrapolate out the human part. Everything needs to be, and it's like, how do you do that? It's like, right, you're not, I'm sorry, uh, who, <laughs> how? <laughs> you are, you're a human being working in a human-built world, and you're going to have human biases and perspectives. Basically the same thing. Bias is just another way of saying perspective. Exactly. It's, exactly. A, it's a, a set of expectations and lived experiences that, that make you expect certain things from the world. I, it's no matter what we build as human beings, we're building it from human perspective. And this is um, why I love yeah. science. This is why I love research because it speaks to why there's a need for validity and reliability in our research because you have, because it, it, it uh, scientists understand that, because um, th there's another argument with quant versus qual. All of yeah. it, whether it's quant or qual, somebody had to create the goddamn survey instrument. Exactly. So it is still exactly. human. It still has bias in it. And exactly. So it's like, <laughs> let's stop that. Let's, I love, I love that. And that part of science is just stupid to me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's the, the issue is that, you know, there's, there's a certain level at which, and this has been a thing. So one of my uh, original training sets is philosophy um, and philosophy technology is a large part of what I do. 
one of like the oldest discussions in philosophy of technology is like how far out can you go before you realize that you know every human created tool technique perspective artifact (laughs) contains a human you know fingerprints let's say in it right like it's like from from paintings on cave walls right yeah yeah and so like um so there's this conversation that happens about like um like lensing technology for microscopes, magnifying glasses, glasses on our face, uh, telescopes, all of it, right? And it's like this conversation about at a certain point, you're not just rendering an image bigger. You're actually having to like make changes in how the light moves through the instrument. And in order to make those changes, you have to make certain choices about which features of light you're going to mm-hmm. preference mm-hmm. and which features you're not going to preference, mm-hmm. which ones are going to get to operate in certain ways and whatnot. And so at a certain point, you're not just manipulating, you know, uh, an objective reality to render it clearer. At a certain point, you are actually changing the nature of the thing as you are interacting with and it. Then, um, and, and, and then even that, because I want to go back to that tweet I was talking about, because you just said clear, who gets to define what clear is? And that's why I don't like to use the words fair. People like that's not fair. Who gets to define what fair is? Who gets to find the people in power get to find that. So whoever has the most privilege um, on that project gets to define what clear is. It may not be clear for me. It may just be clear for you. Um, And so the tweet is um, the person says, fuck orgs that prefer asshole genius men over healthy collaborative teams. And I said, the problem here is and has always been who gets to define genius. This is what I just uh, I uh, like. I just saw an article of um, 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 McAfee um, in Cuba. He's supposed to be doing all this stuff and they keep calling him. Well, the fuck, just because he has the privilege, he's had the background, he's had the money to create something. That's why I love having a black man on here, because if you had to have the same resources and started at the same point, you would be doing the same shit. You just wouldn't be probably a fucking pedophile and all this other crazy shit that we just allow to just, oh, they're geniuses. But that does not excuse behavior. <laughs> right. Like, no, and I mean, but that's like something that's been going back to like, the, the like you said, the way that we've defined the nature of, of genius, the way that we've defined what it means to be, uh, you know, the, this great figure, right? Like the, the great man of history kind of idea, whereas like this one person has all this, uh, uh, this influence, this intelligence, this power to change things. And if it were not for this one person, uh, things would never be the same, right? Like, and that's like, that's this idea that most, like when historians dig into it, historians and social scientists uh, of other types uh, dig into this, they look at history and say, okay, they might've been like an inflection point. They might've been like a particular, maybe slightly higher concentration, but it's not like they did it alone. Just like uh, Thomas Edison. Right. He stole but all of his. <laughs> stole everything. Like what Thomas Edison was great at was stealing other people's ideas. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, and marketing them. Exactly. Self promotion. Like, that's what he was and, doing. And, and that's how I feel about Elon Musk. I'm so sick of people putting him out as some great. I'm, and when I really started unpacking white privilege, and, and I'm like, dude, you had 
apartheid at your back. Both of your parents was uh, parents are professors. You had access to computers and shit that you could take apart. Hell, I had a computer in my house, but it, damn, if you take that bitch apart, <laughs> right? <you said> not- <laughs> I was lucky enough as a child to you know have come up in a family that had you know computers as resources that had people who were you know interested in technology and that kind of tinkering and taking things apart is a, a fairly large part of my background which is you know in all and honesty so a lot of where i am exactly. right it's a huge privilege it's like huge and I, privilege. I look at the i look at the amount of things that had to go a particular way for me to be where i am today and i know for a fact that a large portion of my family struggled a great deal to get me here but they got me here and they put me in places to be recipient of privilege and to be recipient of a level of uh, influence and education that i otherwise would not have had access to and that puts me in a place where i have things that were not available to other people. And I'm conscious and cognizant of that every day. Everyone in the hashtag called the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag cause Things that were not available. I'm conscious and cognizant of that every day. I look at, I mean, when you speak of that, because when I was a high school teacher, I used to tell my students all the time, we need to shift from seeing technology as a toy into a tool. And it wasn't until much later that I realized that I can have an effect on how those tools are used. No yeah. one in my space talked about, Kim, you could go in technology and do these things. Right. It was something I had out of a curiosity I had and develop this curiosity for myself and find yeah. a space or cre- basically create a space for myself. Exactly. To have these conversations and to come into contact with people like yourself who are, who don't have, um, again, because if I'm going to be honest, if you were a white guy, you being a, it, it, your voice would be more amplified because you've had a background similar to the white guys who are doing this stuff, who, right. get, who can get VC funding at a drop of a hat, who can get right. on an interview on a, yeah. Um, on a new, a major news channel, and oh, be, yeah. and be a, considered an expert. Yeah. Um, and this is why, again, we're not having to live the same lived experience. I say this over and over again, and people are like, "I'm like, stop being fucking shocked. We're not having the same lived experience." Yeah, I can I mean, have access to the same shit, and it still translate to something completely different. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely that, and that's, and I think that's the thing that is. Uh, it goes back to what I was talking about, about the, like, the, the conversation about like, the, you know, the nature of how people interpret objective reality, right? Like this question of like, okay, so what are you, what are you seeing? What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? What are you hearing? You know, what is the world perceived as to you, right? And what does that render out to for you? And it's going to be different based on the lived experience you have, based on the background knowledge that you have, based on the ways, the perspectives that you've built the various biases that are in place because of the kind of life that you've had, because of the kind of, you know, systems you've been a part of, because of the kinds of systems of knowledge that you've built out of those things. All of those things are going to turn into 
tools that you will build to navigate the world as you understand it. They will have your biases, your perspectives built into them. And whether your biases and perspectives are, uh, oh, I'm part of the status quo and everything's great. Let's keep it moving like this forever. (laughs) Or whether they are, hey, it seems to me like women and especially black women have a tendency to get, you know, kind of screwed over by these technologies at a much higher rate. Let me see if I can do something about that. And it's so funny that you say that because I talk, I just, I have visually in my head right now going to a tech conference and I'm going to take audience go with me here. So you, you, you sign up for a tech conference, you, you, you buy your ticket. I'm not going to, because we're going to take out the, that you have a job that pays for it. So you buy your ticket to go, because that's a whole nother thing. So right. you buy your ticket to go to this conference. That's in, and we're going uh, to eliminate barriers of travel. It's in your community. It's on a public transportation route. You can get yep. there. So everybody, okay. can, it's, it's there. You walk in the door and there are 2,000 individuals there. And all of them, let's say, okay, I'm not going to say all, we won't use an, um, an absolute, 85% of them are white. How do you walk into the space if you're a white person, male or female? How do you enter the space if you are a person of color? I'm going to tell you how the hell I enter the space. I'm in entering the space. First of all, I go straight to in, in introvert mode. Yep. Um, uh, I put on this cloak, of, I get really quiet, and then I start seeking who in the space looks like me. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I do. Now, let's say I enter this space, I find, let's say, a, 10 people who look like me. For the rest of that conference, I am not leaving their sides. We're going to stay together. So think about how much quote-unquote networking we're going to be able to do. Not much because we don't feel safe enough to go talk, to just walk right. up to, to, you know, white people just start, just walk up to a conversation and start talking. And we're looking like, did you get invited into this motherfucker? <laughs> but that's what they do. We don't do that. We've been told, stand back. Wait till somebody um, invites you into the conversation to say something. So we might be standing there, but if no one acknowledges us, we're going to walk off to our little corner, to our group of people, and we're going to stay together. We're going to sit together. We're going to stay together. And if we meet somebody that's great, uh, we, we, unless we know the speaker or something like that, we're not going to engage with the speaker. Think about the learning, but just those, that's that right there, the differences in those lived experience and what I could take away from a conference that I spent my money on. Right. And so one of the things that, you know, I and others have taken to doing is uh, calling out these kinds of things when we experience them directly. Right. So it's like the you go on Twitter, you can have the no more mantles uh, Twitter is like, hey, so here's a, a, a conference in education or tech or philosophy or science or whatever. And it's six dudes, usually white dudes, <laughs> up here talking about whatever this is. Uh, with a female with, moderator. With, with, a, with like maybe a female moderator, maybe. Yeah, and, it, and, and, it's, and, it's, a white, and it's a white female because for right. some reason, white women are diversity for some reason. Right, and it's like, yeah. okay, so uh, where, where, are the, where are the women at? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where, are the, where are the people of color? Mm-hmm. Where are the... Where are the where are the you know. where are the LGBTQ people? Right. Where's the where? where's the the non-binary representation? Yes, where's exactly. the like where's where where are anyone else? <laughs> where are the people with the purple and pink and gray and green right. hair? Right. Where where's, yeah? Where's anybody else? Like, yes. Where's like yes. 
And so, you know, people started taking like calling that out and other people started saying like, okay, so I'm at this panel or I'm at this conference and I have seen uh, 85% white dudes or I have seen, you know, 90%, you know, white people in this space, um, in a space that is supposed to be talking about uh, social issues, mm-hmm. as they, you know, as they intersect with the uh, but it's philosophy or technology or science again whatever um you know uh, where are the other people where where are the people who actually reflect the broader weft of society and it, <laughs> and, and if you and even saying that it, remind, it it this explains why the conversations stay the way they are so if you're having conversations about philosophy and technology and sociology and how they're impacting the world yep. This is where we don't move forward, because if you have 90 percent of white people, white males or whatever, leading involved in these conversations, you only have that perspective. So, no, nothing changes. So because you everything's great. Everything's gravy. (laughs) Exactly. And even if you are a person who is more open to thinking in, you know, those ways to thinking about, okay, well, what are the problems with the problematic implications of something like this? If you are in an environment that is not going to specifically nudge you towards thinking that you are going to be less likely to think in that direction. And I've that, seen that from the best bet because I don't call people allies, but I've, there are, there are some people who I really trust who are really doing this work. Absolutely. And they would Absolutely. tell you, they will tell you that Kim, I damn, thank you for calling that out. I didn't see that. Damn, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the simplest things It's because you don't have the lived experience. So it's not, Saying exactly wrong with you. I don't have the lived experience. I don't have the lived experience as a white dude. So I don't. <laughs> I don't have the tools to know what that direct lived experience is like. What that means then is that I have to like heed when other people tell me, "Hey, this is my lived experience," and I go, "Oh, that's weird. I didn't know that." And then I go, "Huh? Maybe if I am, you know, not a disabled person, or if I am not." Uh, a member of a particular component of the LGBTQ community, or I am not, uh, you know, an indigenous woman, uh, I say, well, that sounds like a fucking problem. And I need to do what I can with what power and privilege I have to amplify your voice it's, and make sure that that I problem gets fixed. It's, <laughs> not, it's not speaking for you. It's finding no. those individuals and having them speak for themselves. Exactly. Uh, um, man, it's, and this is the thing that gets me. It's like, we, we've done this to ourselves. We have taught the broader community that tech is right, that we can figure yeah. we can fix all problems. So they don't right. question us. Right. They and so they are just totally shocked and just don't know what the hell to do when something happens. It's like one week it's one way, next week is something else. Um, it's easy and it's easy for us to be patronizing and say everybody should get off Facebook and Twitter. I'm not going off Twitter because right. Twitter is where my community is. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting off Facebook because that's why I stay connected with my friends and family. It's right. It's being- one of those things. So like, there is a certain level is like okay if you can create the alternative right if you can build me something that allows me to stay together with my friends and family if you can work with me to build that thing and actually like promote it build it get it out there then we can talk about getting off of twitter and facebook (laughs) but at the point (laughs) where we are at it's like telling somebody stop using a phone yeah (laughs) stop using the internet Yes. And it's like, okay, there's a... And go back to the car catalog. Right. And what it's like, I, get, I okay, okay, there's some, like, I guess there's some kind of 
there's merit there, but (laughs) you got to ask, you got to realize you're asking something like deeply unreasonable, right? Like it's like, it has woven itself so far into our lives um, that there is just, it doesn't make practical, pragmatic sense to be able to pull ourselves out of it as an individual without being able to offer somebody alternatives, right? And we can do that work. We can say, okay, here's how we can work to build these other things. Here, we can still highlight the problems of what's wrong with Facebook, what's wrong with Twitter, what's wrong with you know the, the tech complex as it exists in the world, while still recognizing that to an extent, a very large extent, our ability to interact and be connected in the world is damaged and lessened when we do not have direct experience of those tools, those platforms, because there is a cost associated with removing that kind of ease of access, especially like if you never go into it, like I know several people who have just never gone in for Facebook ever and they have built their networks and they have built their, their online experience in such a way that they just don't, have to. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. for them is easy, natural. Yes, exactly. But if you've gone into it, pulling yourself out of it, and you can talk to anybody who's done it, because there are people who have done it, but you talk to people who have actually managed to extricate themselves from those things, it's hard. It takes mm-hmm. effort and it takes a complete reenvisioning of the way that we, we have communicate. to think. Exactly. Yeah. All, all those touch points again with other humans. Exactly. And so, and that's like, and so this goes back to the overarching conversation that we're having here, right? Like the, the built environment, the, the, the lived experience of the thing itself contains the biases that we have, but it also shapes those expectations, shapes those perspectives and those biases. And so we get to a certain point where if we're going to do something different, if we're going to challenge it, to even be able to adequately challenge it, we have to be able to say to people, Okay, here's what's wrong. Here's here in a way that, you know, is going to be hard because everything you've experienced about it up to now has told you this is the right and natural way for you to interact online or this is the easy way and so it's the best way. This is the expected way. This is the it's just the way it is kind of way. No, instead, here think of it like this. Think of it uh, in terms of the amount of social manipulation that goes into Facebook's algorithmic timeline. Think of it in terms of the ways that those tools can be turned against communities and used to gain certain types of interaction and input. Think of it in terms of the ways that uh, Twitter's reporting mechanisms can be used to further marginalize and oppress members of various communities to used as tools of harassment rather than as harassment redress mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Think about it in terms of those things and think in terms of, you know, the harm being done rather than, oh, it's just the way it is. What other choice do we have? And and I'm going to slap something on top of that because the conversations we're having are coming from a place of being a technologist. We we are technologists. The average human being. We can think about these things. Exactly. The average human beings who are using these things aren't thinking about these things and they're being harmed and they have no recourse. They don't have any idea that it could be different. They don't even see the flaws. They just think 
And so they end up, oh my God, and this is how we change human behavior because they end up changing their behavior in in, in light. So this is, again, going back to white supremacy and yeah. oppression and everything, because now you're changing your behavior for to, to accommodate a flawed system, uh, which also changes your offline behaviors. Yep. So I, I've been looking at the articles about the, the, the content moderation for Facebook, those in yeah. Oh God, those people, man. And 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 they're making oh. fifteen dollars an hour. And, and first of all, you sucked them in with that because the average um 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 minimum wage is a little over seven dollars. So they're thinking they're getting something. And people have no. They can't talk about their job to their friends and family. They can't talk. So they have no way of letting. They're seeing constant eight hours a day, constant images of uh, animal abuse. Child um, pornography, child yep. abuse, murders, yep. just nightmares. Just things Nightmare. I could not even fathom, and that's their job to look at that. And um, they have no way of processing that. And you've and, and Facebook, you've contracted that out, so they're yep. not your employees. So they can't, they can't, they don't have any institutional redress. Exactly, to say, they they're I, not making the three hundred thousand dollars a year that your regular uh, Facebook people are making. So, and, and when there's a problem, they can't come to say Facebook. My this one place that they talked about. I don't know if you read that article, the last one. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Um, he wrote, and it was about the the facility in Florida, and. Mm-hmm. Eight hundred employees, and they only have one bathroom. Now, I know these eight hundred employees aren't on the same shift, but I know that's fucking illegal. I know that's illegal because I have a I have an undergraduate in interior design, and <laughs> have so many bathrooms per so many people. Yep, and that's I mean that's you know no matter how many no matter how many shifts you have, <laughs> even if you have somehow eight shifts per day. Exactly. Like, like, that's way know, too many damn people for one freaking bathroom. One bathroom. Like that's a hundred people per shift and one bathroom that they're all trying to manage. No, that's not. And, and they can only do it on their break. So they find themselves, they have this, like these 11 minute breaks and all. it's like crazy. Yeah. And yet you yeah. expect these individuals to function and so now, okay, okay, so okay, let's let's pull this out some more. So this is their job, and their job yeah. is to look at this shit all day long. Tell me now. Also, so they also have started. They they're they're um, moderators who are now into computer conspiracy theories because they've so much of it. So yep. now, and and so, and they're also using really dark humor, um, t- doing jokes about suicide and, yep. and that kind of thing. Just now, to survive. <laughs> now think about this, but now think about the, now you've shifted their their how their brains work, the brain chemistry. How effective are they going to be at moderating content? Because now this content is not is not doesn't is not deemed dangerous to them. It, it, they're 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 numb to it. So something yeah. that we would think is just horrific, they're like, oh okay, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh whatever, it's fine. Exactly, that's fine. And so it's like. Oh my God! I just right. have this. Uh, it's, it's yeah, still, at a certain point, it, I like, love these conversations because it just, it just, you kind of just pull and pull, and yeah. people don't, Get, see, people just see the, 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 the one degree. I'm talking about. Yeah. Can we see the ten degrees out? <laughs> yep, yep, and that's, that's that's exactly it. It's like how many, like, there's there's been like quite a lot of psychological research about what it takes to, to desensitize people to horrific imagery. And, you know, it takes a lot more than people think, but when you make that somebody's, you know, 
job where that's a third of their day, you know, at least all the time on top of whatever else they're actually seeing, uh, you know, in their off hours. That's a, a lot of horror to exactly. be immersed in for that long. And so you, know, you got your 15 of, hour, uh, hour a day, uh, uh, $15 an hour job. And now you have PTSD. Yeah, right. Exactly that. And so, you know, we think about, like you said, you got, we got to think about what are we doing to these people? What are we, how are we changing them? How are we, you know, harming them by this work? And also and then what are we, families in the communities? Right. Exactly. Because then, you know, we have to, Say okay, so now everybody who is who's had this experience, who has this this trauma that they're riding with from that point forward, you know, you think Facebook's got psychologists and therapists on hand to you know, help with aftercare for their daily shift workers? Okay, no. so let me tell you this. So <laughs> it also said that um, Facebook was looking into it, and they were gonna put, they were gonna try to uh, put. I'm like, how many billions of cash are you sitting on? Right. You know, try to. <laughs> it's like that should be a part of their benefits package, right? Right. You understand? Like, I, I I don't need that because that's not a part of my job. But if that's a part of your, your job, your and see, this is the short sightedness. Your if if your job is to look at shit like that every day, at the end of your damn shift, you should be a you should be going to somebody to debrief that shit. So you yep. can leave it at the job so and you, you don't take that out with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And like, I mean, so this notion of, you know, uh, and uh, this, this gets into the stigma against mental health and the stigma, against, you know, disability and like seeing disability as brokenness and seeing mental health as weak, like conversations as weakness. All of this is, is just built into our society at such a, a high and deep level yes. that having this be able to you know, work its way into the conversations we're having around Facebook is part of such a, it's even just such a larger issue than all of that because it's not like. I mean, this job, never, this job didn't exist 10 years ago. No one was doing this shit. <laughs> it couldn't. <laughs> Except for maybe spies or some shit. These are the only people who were looking at shit like this. Right. Not your everyday uh, person who used to be a cashier at the, at the Quickie Mart. Yep. People were trained for this. I mean, people were trained for this. <laughs> yep. Uh, it has to be. And so, you know, you know, we think oh. about what is what does that indicate about what we are, what we are doing, what we are building, how we are engaging the, you know. Can I go deeper? <laughs> I want right. to go, go deeper and say, and we're going back to the overreaching conversation about bias. Think mm. about how we're shifting their bias. So they come in with one. Right. And we're f- fundamentally changing their perspective. Because right. you, you, as rightly said, bias is your perspective. Right. We're fundamentally changing their perspective yeah. on through their own lived experiences. Yeah. Fundamentally shifting individuals when we don't have a right to do that. Right. And so, and, not for and, not for a job. Not and right. hell no, not for a job. <laughs> but that's exactly it, right? It's like so, like you said earlier. You know, you promise people fifteen dollars an hour, and they're like, oh. All I got to do is look at the internet all day for $15 an hour. That's fine. No, it's not fine. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently, this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many 
as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. All I got to do is look at the internet all day for $15 an hour. That's fine. No, it's not fine. Because even with, like, this isn't the first time this conversation has come up either, right? Like, there's there's a couple of books out there, like, about people who have tried this, who have tried to you know, to look at this, this culture of what happens when, when the content moderation becomes uh, a huge part of the online experience. Um, and these people, like, and they're, they're the thing, the horror that they are seeing on a day-to-day basis, it's been known. And so it's like, you know, even with that, telling people, you know, just looking at the internet eight hours a day. And, and, and then they, <laughs> some, some guy, they told he was going to be looking at Disney's content. Yeah. And it was, yeah, yeah it was, yeah. it was kind of Disney, but it was definitely not standard Disney. Like, and, <laughs> and, and, and so, and then you think about their, their solution is, oh, this is only temporary. We're going to automate that. Okay. Now that's another problem. Right. Now you're, like, you're automating. You're, to, you've gotten rid of one problem and instituted a, another much more complicated like, problem. Oh, <laughs> and this is what I talk to people when people talk about automation and AI and algorithms and blah, 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 blah. I'll be like, shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> Human to human, mm-hmm. there's a possibility that I can reason with you. I can say, like we were talking about, um, hey, you're causing harm, and this is how you're causing harm. And you, at that point, have a choice to make. Does this matter to you, and if you're going to change or not? But at least I've spoken, how the hell do I reason with a computer that is propagating, who is, who, who, that is creating other computers out of, the, out of the damn algorithms that they're using? And it's like, at a certain point, you know, we don't have, as, as they currently exist, we don't have the ability to, to have a real conversation, communicative conversation with uh, automated content algorithm tools like that. You know, it, it's a, it is a, you either dig in and reprogram it from the ground up or you don't use them at all. <laughs> um, those are your options if something goes wrong, right? Um, or, you know, as some people will try to do, you slap a patch on it and hope for the best because uh, it's cheap. <laughs> That's not really, I don't think that that is a good option. So I try not to list it. Um, but, you know. Did you not... see, 
Did you see recent article about, and I can't remember which, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? It's not criminal justice. It's um, law enforcement agency that was stopped using that facial recognition yes. um, software. And, and if, a, if, if racist ass criminal justice uh, law enforcement is saying this shit is not shit, facial recognition yeah. software be used yep um <laughs> then that should tell that should be a warning sign for a whole lot of people yep exactly and it's like uh you know there was i heard another i heard a story about one it was like oh we're gonna you know use ai and facial recognition to know, limit you know it'll help remove bias from the software we'll make it a, you know search for the biases and i'm like top level you seem like you're thinking about the fact that there's bias and that's good but you're not thinking about the bias that's going to be in, in the, the bias that you use. <laughs> like, so you're, you're, you're doubling down on the double down. Right. It's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dig down a little bit deeper. Can we go below the surface? Can we go below the surface? Cause if you're, if you're surprised about the bias that gets made in cops decisions on the field, you're going to be surprised about, the AI tools that are trained based on those decisions. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because all it has is history. It doesn't make right. predictions. And even with the predictions, it made it makes the predictions based on the history. It's not it's not making its own fucking predictions. It's making predictions based on the data that it's been fed and that it's learning learning quote unquote from. It's not learning exactly. And I think we need to stop using that word for that shit because it is it's a misnomer. People, these things aren't, machines aren't anywhere near where they can learn. Look at something with no background, no programmatic, no programmatic algorithm, no nothing, and make a decision. There is no way, we're not there. Well, I mean, from my own, you know, perspective on this, my, my position is that, you know, humans don't, don't learn without background. We, we start, I don't think we start as blank slates. I think we, we, we start with bits and pieces and we build our way up. I think, you know, we, we are at a stage where if you give an algorithm with a bare bones kind of recursive you know, check and recheck kind of functions, um, a few inputs, it can build you yeah, not super complex, but it can build you uh, a set of things or patterns that it has devised. And, you know, we've, uh, Janelle Shane um, does this with uh, algorithmic neural networks, um, gives them like, just lists of random things and then has them play with them and then you know, see how far out they can go. Um, and the work that, that's done there is, it, re- it returns some kind of surprising results sometimes. Like sometimes like if you give it like a, things like a list of random ingredients, it's been trained on like cake baking tech, like uh, instructions or whatever, right? You give it a list of random ingredients and one of them includes cake in the ingredients. Sometimes it will just return to you, mm-hmm. prepare cake according to instructions on the box. Because that's a thing that it has you know, mm-hmm. sorted out. Like, oh, cake does mm-hmm. that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't need. I don't need to give you anything else. Just read the damn right. box. Yeah. Just yeah, read yeah. the box, right? And so yeah. it's like this is like. So there, I think there, there are things where it can give you those kinds of systems, but there's not, like the kinds of, um, you know, we we look at, you know, quote unquote, human level, 
uh, thought or human level learning or whatever we want to call that. You put new stuff out there as if it's going to replace it. It's going to be perfect because it's going to replace us and all these, these right. different things. Yeah. Again, this is the weird thing, right? We trust other humans not very much at all. Yeah. <laughs> we trust <I> machines <laughs> even less it, than that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's like when you actually put an automated system into the field, the level of trust that the other member, like human members of the community and where it goes into place actually like goes down. (laughs) You can see it with like robots in uh, like factory floors. You can see it with um, like automated vehicles. You can see it with automated systems in, in online communities. Like you put that system in place, even if on the whole, its average error rate is lower than any given humans or any collective of humans you could look at. Humans will trust it less. So this idea that we're just going to be able to automate things, things will be fine, or we're just going to like let that happen as communities, <laughs> like even if it might be in certain areas and like a useful or helpful tool to do, it's not going to happen easily. Like we just don't, we don't take well to that just because of the ways that we've been trained to think about, oh, they're going to replace us or, oh, they're going to, they're going to take over and they're going to mm-hmm. be our overlords mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's like, uh, not, not at the level of technology we're talking about. They're not, they're just going to do a job, you know, this gets into bigger conversations. Yeah. That well, I, I no, it's, it's all apart because I was about to bring money. it back. I was going to bring it back because even if it's doing a job, it's doing a biased job. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to do, and one, it's going to do a biased job. It's going to mm-hmm. do a job based on what it's been trained to do. Exactly. And, 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 and whoever that. trained it. Exactly. And what their specifications of what a good job, a good outcome Precisely. of that job look like. Precisely that. And so like you come back to that and you're like, okay, so that's, that's one major issue we're going to look like, you're going to have to look at. And if we ever look at that, then maybe we can talk about the fact that, you know, maybe having a, uh, jobs automated and and giving people the tools systems and resources they need to make a living and survive in this world isn't necessarily a bad thing to be able to you know say hey you don't have to work to subsist <laughs> but that's like that's not the direction it's going in either you know automation is going in the direction of uh oh we're going to automate this so our costs can be cheaper so that when we sell this to you at an increased price uh our profit margins will be higher not oh i can automate a job and so that people don't have to work you know hard hours every day just because we've seen <laughs> we've seen that we have so much automation in tech and yet people working more hours exactly people working on the weekends people working on, on at nights so exactly. it's not it's not Although the, the, the we've automated things, we've created other systems and other shit that exactly. that and that's a bias that's, impo- that's impacted in there as well, right? Like it's it's built into the system as well because in these systems, in the system of automation, people are still thinking about this in terms of like an overarchingly capitalist profit driven model. Right? Yes, and so that's going to impact what we build and how we build it and how we deploy it and what we think is the good of it on the other side as well. And if that means you know, screwing people over in order to get an edge or get a leg up and get some profit, then that's what those systems are going to do. And we also think about just looking at, because my audience is a tech audience, so all of us know about Slack. So you look at Slack and email. (laughs) Yes. It's become a thing where 
before you got a phone call, if you weren't there, you got a message and somebody would have to wait. Now it's damn near instantaneous. People yep. want, I don't care what time it is and it's global. So somebody could be six damn time zones away and they still expect. <laughs> like I am, I am on a business trip in the other side of the world and I am asleep at present. Yes. I'm not responding to that yes. Slack message. It's this, not going to happen. <laughs> And this is it's so funny because I, I when I was teaching, I, uh, I'm a certified special needs teacher. So my students mm-hmm. had my phone number, but I learned very quickly that they just like to call the chat at night. So I would cut my phone off. Yep. And so and I, and I do that now. My mom and my aunt are like, what if something happens? Well, you know, when something happens, it'll if you I, I, sorry, if you die, you're going to be dead in the morning because I am not my phone and stuff has to be turned off because I'm in tech and everything is connected. And yep. I cannot have notifications going off, and people yep. and and people will say they don't expect twenty the, yeah. the, uh, instantaneous, but they do because I know yeah. I do at time. If I don't right. get something back right away, or right. what I what again bias, what I yep. consider is in a timely fashion, yes. you get yeah. some kind of you get some kind of way about it. Exactly, and no, yeah. but that's exactly it is because we feel like, especially if we're in the moment about something, and this is important for all of us to remember, right? We feel something's important. We feel like it's it requires a. a a fast response, a, a timely, quote unquote, timely response, um, whatever that means to us. Yes. And somebody doesn't meet that expectation, that, that is us having a particular bias about what we need at that point in time, what we would prefer. And that's. And think about you know, if that, that is your manager, right? Your supervisor who's expecting right. that expectation. So now right. you're on call whenever they. 24 hours a day, basically. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, Absolutely yeah. Crazy. And so, you know, when it's, when it's person to person, when it's a, an equal distribution of power in a relationship, that's one thing we, you know, we can have a conversation about how, you know, how we expect to communicate with each other, mm-hmm. what our needs are, uh, that kind of thing. And we can work it out. But if it's a manager or mm-hmm. you know, supervisor or your boss's boss, you know, that's uh, that's a different thing. And mm-hmm. you can't have that conversation in the system that we currently inhabit without expecting to be at the very least censured. Yes. If not demoted or mm-hmm. fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's a, that's a whole other host of, again, these are, these are the expectations. These are the biases. These are the perspectives that get built into these systems of technology and how they're used, how they're built, how they're deployed. And the systems, the, the automated systems, the algorithmic systems, that we train to intersect with this, to, you know, emulate this. If that's mm-hmm. what they're being trained on, then that's what they're going to emulate. And, and, and let's be honest, they can't be helped but be trained on it because that's our perspectives. And that right. gets us back to the very beginning of this conversation. Right. Not how can we, why are we expecting automation to do things that it's not programmed to do? <laughs> right. Exactly. And like the fun thing is, is like people like look at the, the, you know, the weird iterations of, of racism or sexism or disabilism or, you know, any number of other things that come up out of the biases that come up out of these automated systems. And they're like, like, oh my God, I can't believe it did that. And I'm like, you can't? I can point to the thing that it, that it, it emulated. <laughs> We need to stop think, looking for the bottom because there is none. <laughs> right. Like, like I totally can tell you where that disabled is. I, I can point out. you to the spot that they have. Right. <laughs> I, can, I, can show you the, I can show you the training data that it was built on that built that racism into yes. that system, that exactly. sexism into that system, that whatever yeah. into that system. What do you, how do you mean you can't 
you don't understand. Like that's, but it goes back right to there. when privilege, privilege is a default and it's never evaluated. So it never has to think about these things. Right. right. And until it's confronted with it in a, a, a massively meaningful way, yes, it's not it's going to. It's a risk to, management issue. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I know people who are, who are working on things like this right now to try to, you know, basically highlight these things. You know, that's one of the things we've been talking about, but like trying to, to like build programs of ways to interact with people that make them have to confront these things Ooh. more directly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to think about these things and say, look, no, like, I mean, most of the papers that I myself write right now, are like, I'm looking I'm like, here, here's all of these places where this has happened. Here's all of, I have like dozens, literally uh, <laughs> at least a dozen case studies at this point of places where this has happened, mm-hmm. things like this have happened. And here's what they all have in common. Exactly. Let's 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 look at the a, common. Let's take a pattern. <laughs> like, like, we look at the where they're the where, Let's not look at the anomalies or the side cases. Can we look right. at where they intersect? Where they, where right. they're the commonalities? Because exactly. again, can we talk about the cause and not the effect? Can we talk not about the, the cause and not the exactly? <laughs> and so, if we can, oh, I think that like with communities of of researchers, of designers, of builders who are willing to have that conversation who are willing to to be loud about that conversation are willing to say no seriously let's let's look at this let's engage this let's you know heed those people who told us this is exactly what would happen let's you know look at those of us who are actually engaged in this conversation who said uh maybe there are some implications from the social sciences that we should think about where this kind of thing has been done in, in other tech uh, communities or other uh, built artifactual communities. Uh, let's see what happens when we include those people into our conversation. You know, like uh, as long as those people are, are doing this work, as long as we are doing this work, I have some hope about it. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like the conversation has gotten louder has gotten more pervasive but at the same time i also know for a fact uh because a person who was involved uh they were present at the um uh, at the meeting where it happened uh the national education associations uh representative uh, assembly their big meeting Mm -hmm. uh, for 2019 just happened and uh there was a a conversation uh, a motion that was put up about basically in inspecting bias in uh, not just you know, the, the amendment was about inspecting bias in technological systems in a particular way. I don't get to the details about it in a second, but the first motion was, you know, let's think about privacy in educational systems. Let's think about um, the ways that student data is uh, taken and and made use of by various technologies, uh, technology companies. And the amendment was like, that's important, but it's all, it's symptomatic. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's symptomatic of this, this larger scope of bias, Mm -hmm. right? This larger uh, bias in algorithmic systems, in training of these systems, in educational technology systems, and what those educational technology systems are trained to think of as uh, important and how they're built and designed to collect these metrics in the first place because those metrics are deemed important. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if we address the fact- And then it goes um, to who deemed those metrics important. Precisely. And we are not, you know, and so the amendment was like, let's, let's train our educational, you know, our educators. We are the 
National Educational Association. <laughs> Let's train the educators to think about these biases and these algorithms, to be aware of how they work, and to, to you know, take that into account when designing and deploying educational technology systems. And that motion, that amendment, like the original motion was like, okay, this will cost, this privacy you know, thing will cost $33,000 thereabouts, right? And the amendment was like, if we focus down on the privacy aspect, that's going to be $33,000. If we instead focus further and look at the bias and the perspectives that get built into these things and how that then turns into these issues issues. of privacy of data collection Mm -hmm. of the behavior of these particular uh, technological companies Mm -hmm. we can do that for ten thousand less Mm -hmm. the motion guys got got um turned down turned down you ain't got to tell me that you know what you know why i'm gonna tell you why and this is Mm. why i left education education is a system that is built it's broken and people are profiting from it being broken and there is no financial incentive to fix it and so that's why i'm not surprised that it was turned down because it is much easier to have a tech company go into these schools, particularly these Title I schools, and mm-hmm. sell your fucking products, and yep. these principals not know what the hell is going on. I, every school in the county that I had that I'm in has some damn um, technical equipment that they didn't yep. got. They bought from a salesperson without checking with the damn tech people in the co- in, in the <laughs> right and right. can't use it. So it's been sitting in the damn closet. Right. It's like, how are you going to enter? Like, how do you think this was going to get integrated with the existing system? No, wait, you never did. There is no no incentive, financial incentive to. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised at all. And now you're talking about people's young people's personal uh, personal information that's going to be put out there before they even get 18 years old. Social Security number, all this stuff. This is also how you weight them. This is also why it's important to have ranking that um um excuse me grade point averages and shit are do absolutely nothing for the students they help the school use tools so they can rank people and that makes their lives easier because if you can rank people if you can put people in order it's easy to keep up with them it's easy to do things like that instead of putting everybody so yeah i yeah that's just that's a that's a system that's a shit show that i oh i'm so happy i escaped so in your final words what would you like to say um the main thing that I would like to say is you know, we need to be conscious of as much as we possibly can the kinds of biases that we bring into the work that we do in the world. Um, biases ranging from both the, the individual and the personal, but also the systemic and the structural. One of the things that you mentioned earlier is um, this, this problem with you know, unconscious bias training, this, this implicit bias training. Um, and, and one of the biggest problems of that is there's this notion of that, like, oh, if I can get the implicit bias of the individual to be taken care of, that it's, uh, it's just going to solve every problem, right? All I got to do is give people a checklist of how to be aware of their biases, and that solves the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't the act problem, on the system. Exactly. If the problems are systemic, if the bias is inherent because of how those people have lived their lives, Mm -hmm. because of how the world has been structured to shape their lives, then only the systemic addressing of bias 
as well as the implicit bias in a person together is going to be able to do anything about that. And that can range from, you know, again, the, the way that disability is understood, mental health is understood, the way that neurodiversity is understood, the way that uh, LGBTQ issues are understood, the way that racism and sexism, you know, the way that fat phobia is understood. Mm-hmm. All of these things are systemic and woven throughout Western society. Mm-hmm. And unless we who are even doing this work in the first place stop to think about them at every step of the way that we're doing it and try to make sure that it's, you know, like breathing for us to think about these issues, right? Like we do it as a matter of habit and a matter of course. Until we get there, then we're not going to be able to make those changes. And even in that, scale. understanding that my job is to minimize harm because I'm going to cause harm. What can I do to minimize the harm that I'm going to cause? Exactly. There's never going to be anything that is free of bias. That's not going to happen. What we're going to do is we're going to be aware of our biases. We're going to think about them and we're going to think about the implications of them. That's the best we can do. And we can work to make sure that the biases that we have are not unconsciously, systemically running our lives, but that they are considered, understood, and we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen because of the perspectives that we inhabit and the world that we build from them. And we try when possible to build a world that has the best outcomes, not just for what we assume the right way to live is, (laughs) but for everyone involved. Wow, this has been a deep conversation. I thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate talking to you today. <laughs> and you have this a This actually got me pretty fired up. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like you just right and done. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kim. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Causing Podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the hashtag called the scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the hashtag called the scene community. Just visit the website at hashtag called to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at hashtag called the scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.